Over the last 12 months, I've had the privilege of interviewing some extraordinary people and have been inspired by their passion, insights and wisdom. The following audio clips are just a short selection of our guests' reflections. We asked John C. Havens from episode 40 to reflect on some of the societal changes required in an AI-driven world and the challenges for business to look beyond just meeting the numbers. Synonymous with innovation, mm-hmm. why isn't increasing human well-being or environmental well-being or caregiving or loving others well, why is that not the top priority? And where people are like, hey, as long as we make enough money to pay the bills, and of course people should be rewarded for value that they bring, or if you invest in a company, you know, you're a shareholder, great, that they should be rewarded. But exponential growth, and going back to your thing about three mm-hmm. things, there's only one, I say this a lot when I've talked recently, the actual five words that will end humanity, did we hit our numbers? <laughs> yeah. Those are the five words. Because every quarter, where there's a legal obligation for any humans to say, whatever glorious work we're doing, the main metric or the only metric of success for how we make our decisions not just growth or profit, but exponential growth. Mm-hmm. Matching that with these amazing tools that by definition are autonomous and intelligent that can increase speed, that can replicate skills. You're matching a, what we used to call in PR land a KPI, key performance indicator, mm-hmm. yeah. right? With tools that can maximize speed and growth. That's when we're screwed mm-hmm. because people are saying, look, all these great conversations, and this is what Martin talks about a lot in Rise of the Robots, kind of is the new bullshit thing, which is not anger against business or government, but is to say, until we change this one metric that says exponential growth is what we think societal progress is, everyone's gonna be held to it, and all these conversations about jobs and stuff, they're still important and relevant, but at the end of the day, what people actually are gonna be doing Mm -hmm. is replacing all jobs and replacing all human skills because that's the one thing that they're held accountable to. We then asked jazz musician, mathematician, Marcus G. Miller, episode 56, what he would do with the education system to improve the opportunities for youth. Big picture, assuming no like logistical things and like having to move a a current system to a new system, like all of that thing going away. Definitely experiencing, develop, finding ways to develop, to develop curiosity and play and imagination in kids, I think is the, I think is the most important thing. When you what I've found in teaching is that when you're able to teach, when you're, when you're able to get people to a place where they're able to think freely about something or they have enough tools and enough skills to be able to think freely about something, then they kind of gravitate toward it. That's something that they just want to do and be involved in because they can actualize their curiosity. This is really, really obvious to jazz musicians, by the way, because the whole point of the, what, what you're practicing when you play jazz music is to be free and open enough to improvise in the way that we're having a conversation right now and be fearless right well it's 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 actually you can express fear in the in the in the playing right like it's it's really just like an expression of your personality right if you're feeling fearful and you want to like think about like really the language analogy is is really good neurologically it's not complete but it's really good for for discussing the experience is that you know, when a bunch of jazz musicians are playing, what's happening is a conversation. There is a specific grammar to it. There is a specific, there is a, there is a point, there's a, there's a key idea 
if it's a conversation like most kind of social conversations, that key idea shifts over time. Mm-hmm. What is the topic and you know, how is everybody reacting or responding to that? To be able to do that effectively, like as a human being just talking, you have to have enough of a command of language. And higher level conversations are going to mean that you've done a certain amount of research or reading or have particular insights. And mm-hmm. this is the same as in music, right? This is the same as in jazz music. You, The higher level musicians are going to have listened to more music, have digested more music, be able to speak it more clearly on their instruments, be able to arrange the ideas in a in a, in a a meaningful fashion. And... And, you know, whereas lower level musicians are doing the same thing, but they, you know, just don't have as much information or skills. And I think this is the same as in when, when, you know, Schneiderman was saying, you know, mathematicians jam on problems is the same thing. It's like you can't jam on some problem in four dimensional topology because you don't know anything about four dimensional topology. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if you put in the work to get those skills together, like you do in language, you could probably do it. Right. Um, it's just a specific kind of work. And unlike language, we're not doing it all the time. So it seems harder or more abstract. But yeah, that's that's very much the case. It's like this, the, the language thing and the discussion thing. So what what do you teach? What do you teach kids? Right. To go back to that question is like, you know, you you have to have a certain amount of like basic training and skills. But then there's a there's a degree of, you know, how do you how do you think freely? How do you get to this point where I can play an instrument or I can discuss 19th century literature or I can you know do whatever you want to do with the same freedom that you do when you're having a conversation with another person in a language that you Mm -hmm. speak effectively Caroline Chubb Calderon from episode 42 reflected on the challenges of retaining our humanity in the face of identity politics political polarization and the encroachment of AI in work and life Part of the challenge is that we are driven by the now, right? And everything seems on fire. Uh-huh. And so it comes back to some of the wisdom that we need to develop is, first of all, how to help people come back to the fundamentals of what it means to be human. Because the civil unrest that we're seeing, by my assessment, yeah. and I very tenderly and humbly say it's my assessment, is very much driven by the unintended consequence of us going down the wormhole of what matters to us and losing our capacity to hear other people. And it's driven by social media, it's driven by the nature of our of a day-to-day life. So it's, it's the, I'm becoming more individualistic. By nature, the more individualistic we become, the less capable we are to see the other Le, not as another, but as a extension of who I am, or a, you know, a person that I belong to and feed with and live with naturally. The second thing is we are so driven by the urgency of now mm-hmm. that we are just focused on delivering this moment and dealing with this fire, and it's a very reactive mentality. And I, I truly believe that if we could take a collective breath and assess what really matters to us and understand, be more intentional about understanding how we are being shaped by our, by our context mm. to be less human because we are being less, we are the way that the Center for Humane Technology deci- yeah. describes it is downgrading of humanity. Like if we can understand how we're being downgraded in our humanity and intentionally counter those forces, which is what we're trying to do with Hello Humanity, 
intentionally counter those forces, I actually think we can, we must, we can redirect, mm-hmm. right? There's no alternative. It's just, you were just going to see more of it if we don't. So we need more people to take part. And like I invited everybody in that conference, become an agent of humanity mm-hmm. to say, I am not going to fall prey to the dynamics that are sur- surrounding me, but I'm going to be intentional about cultivating my humanity and intentional about being a leader for the future of humanity and intentional about um, how I interact with the forces of technology and intentional about reclaiming imagination, insight, inspiration as my core skills and intentional about reaching out to mm. understand who you are and how I can help you feel loved and safe and belong. Artist Chantal Martin, episode 25, reflected on serendipity by providing a beautiful metaphor for how hard work creates serendipity. Imagine there's a gigantic lake and there's, at the edge of this lake, there's like a really nice little green rowboat. And I get in this little rowboat and there's two oars there. And so I row to the middle of this gigantic lake. And when I get there, I put the anchor down I pull in the oars and I stand up in this little green rowboat. And then when I stand up, I rock and I rock and I rock and I work and I work and I work and I rock and rock and rock and work and work and work. And I see these ripples appear and these ripples get larger and larger and larger. And I imagine that they're reaching all the way out back to the edge of the lake where I came from. And then they come back to me in the form of work and opportunities and collaborations and press and ideas and many other things. But what happens when I stop rocking and when I stop working is that these ripples disappear. And finally, I asked Debbie Millman, episode 30, about how serendipity of a seemingly career-ending set of events redefined her future path and led to the success she enjoys today. Well, certainly the biggest is my experience with Speak Up, the blog, where I discovered that I had been written about and um, written about meanly. And my choice to participate in that discussion and try to sort of intellectually defend myself as opposed to angrily defend myself certainly changed the trajectory of my life um, in that I then started writing for Speak Up and um, had a whole new posse of friends that are still my friends today. Um, I ended up meeting the editor-in-chief of Print Magazine and route to a Speak Up event for the AIGA. That changed my life, Joyce Ryder K. Then I, I started working for Print Magazine. That experience introduced me to Stephen Heller. He helped me with my first book deal. He co He invited me to co-found the master's in branding program that we're sitting in right now doing this podcast. So I would say that a whole arc of my life wouldn't have been possible without that one serendipitous situation wherein Felix Sockwell decided to take my whole life down on um, the world's first ever design blog and forever change my, my life. Enjoy the holidays and we'll be back with new guests next week. That's all for now.